She was born in 1925 in the, the middle of the Great Depression. She lost her father at a very early age. He actually took his own life so that the life insurance would be able to, to feed that family in a time of struggle. Um, Carol's first husband was a fighter pilot and uh, he was shot down and killed in World War II. She married again uh, to my grandfather, um, but unfortunately that marriage ended in divorce early on. My, my parents are amazing in my opinion. Uh, my, my father is a warm, caring, compassionate, loving man who sacrificed for years to provide for his family. And I honestly believe, I really do think that Carol Scruggs did a great job raising him. And she did so as a single mother, working hard as a civil servant. She was able to succeed in a male-dominated field. Uh, she displayed a sharp mind and, and it saw her promoted many times throughout the course of the years. She did remarry my grandfather. And actually, I grew up knowing that they were married. Um, I do have admiration for my grandfather as well, a Navy veteran and survivor as a kamikaze attack on his ship during the Korean War. But it's my grandma Scruggs that showed love to me in a way for which I, I can never possibly express enough gratitude. Uh, what I saw was a woman that on occasion, many occasions, she would be at the grocery store with me and she would buy groceries for a single mother that was in line there. Um, she always said, pay it forward. Um, Carol was, was a woman of faith. She was, she was religious in some ways, but she was also discerning in her faith. She read her Bible, but wasn't so enamored with it as to take everything she read as, as unquestionable truth. Instead, she, she would look for wisdom. In all honesty, after she passed, her Bible had many pages that were torn out. And uh, <laughs> we had a revelation that she had removed an entire book from the Bible. Uh, that is a story for another time. Uh, the love that she displayed, though, was not a blind love. Um, but it, it wasn't love out of fear. I, I really miss her. Uh, late in her life, I, I went to church with her, and this was after my grandfather had passed. And during the service, the pastor actually called for an extra offering to be taken, uh, saying that the largest contributors would be able to pick the hymns. And uh, I promise I'm not gonna ask for an extra offering today, everybody. Um, but I saw my grandmother reach into her purse. I saw her take out her checkbook. I saw her scribble a check. Um, but then I saw her put it in the basket with this grin on her face. And uh, I have no idea how much that check was for, but the pastor came back up and announced that uh, there were he was gleeful that there were several different contributions, um, but he said one was amazing. And he said, Carol, thank you so much. Would you like to pick the hymns? And my grandmother was close to 90 now, and she stood uh, a little bit feebly, and she looked around the room. She, she had always had her eyes on 
on the mature single men that uh, came to church. And, uh, but as she stood up, she looked around the room and she said, I pick him and him and him. Okay, okay, the last part was not true. <laughs> but everything else about Grandma Scruggs was. I figured that after the deep and serious introductions I've given the last couple of times I would up here, I, was, I would offer a little lighter note this time. Okay. Now, I am quite aware that it is the last week of the NFL football season and that there are playoff positions on, uh, on the line today, and also for your fantasy football players, I, uh, football leagues, I'm sure this is the final week, so this is going to be brief, okay? I, but now let's get serious, okay? There are currently 182 armed conflicts in this world, 45 of those are what you would consider one-sided violence. I, I don't think we can gloss over this. This is the reality of dissension and a lack of productive discourse. And much of this is related to racism or nationalism or, well, it, it's just predominantly about fear. And, you know, according to market research out of Virginia, one in 10 relationships one in 10 serious relationships, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a non-marriage, serious relationships are ending nowadays because of political differences. I, this is staggering to me. I, the idea that these are not burgeoning relationships, these are relationships, committed relationships with time invested by both people. I, I assume that when you're that deep into a relationship that you have some knowledge that you don't necessarily see eye to eye with the other person before you would get that far into a relationship. To get that far into a relationship and just have it destroyed by a new conflict is really sad to me. You know, additionally, we're on a slippery slope. We're on a slippery slope that if you are a presiding president of one political party and the House of Representatives is controlled by a different political party, you are likely to be impeached. And I'm not, I am not making a political statement. I'm not saying who deserves to be impeached or who doesn't. I'm just saying this is a world divided. I'm just saying that it seems like we're beginning to seek harm first. It's a, it's a world filled with dualism. Right? You're either pro-choice or you're pro-life. Now, I, I realize that's an issue, then there is, there is some divisiveness there, but there's, we've reached a point where there's no effort towards communication. There's no effort to find middle ground. You're either conservative or you're progressive. And even, even in that situation, you might be considered within your own political party to not be conservative or progressive enough. So you're either a believer or you're an atheist, a Christian or you're other. You're patriotic or you're not. The dichotomy of ideas is so polarizing that some do not see the value in someone that is not part of their group. There's no lessons 
learned by the experiences of others. If you're not all in, then you're simply out. Any wavering is a, is a sign that you're not me, you're my opposite. Now, much of this can be attributed to fear of the other, fear of change, a grasping on the status quo, hanging on to, to what we believe is right. This is not to say that you're wrong, uh, but sometimes we, we fail to seek truth and, and we make prejudicial decisions without really checking the facts. Who here knows what confirmation bias is? Raise your hand. Right. That's more people than I thought. All right, good, good. Uh, who gets the news on their phone? Right? Maybe it's a news feed or maybe it's social media. Um, this is not accusatory, okay? But there can be a propensity for some to pick and choose what they consider is worth reading. Right? There may even be a tendency to take at face value news, statistics that support our beliefs and to ignore everything else as fake news. That is confirmation bias. We have to understand that we are fed information on social media based on a algorithm that wants us to keep engaged in that screen for as long as possible, right? Nuance in many ways has been lost. You have, we have become trapped in either or thinking. You've got to buy in wholesale to a belief. The idea of a middle ground, well, perhaps even considering someone a moderate has been lost. We're at a point where seeking common ground and resolution is really at an all-time low. And without common ground, there's no movement. I, I'm not saying that sometimes there's not black or white, or white or black, depending on what your point of view is. What I am saying is that before we take the time to draw a line in the sand, we've got to make sure that we've gathered all the information and we've listened to all sides. For those of you that like to fill in your talk notes, here's the first one. So what's the issue anyway? Oversimplification through either or thinking leads to fundamentalism. When we have a closed-minded, strict adherence to a belief, forsaking any other ideas, we take fundamentalism as the extreme choice. Fundamentalism can lead to intolerance Intolerance can lead to hate. Hate can lead to violence. Our fear of the other creates no space for the other or for other ideas. Again, this is removing the both and and fixating on the either or. If you're not with us, you must be against us. I would argue that while there are some of these things that have existed since the beginning of time, some of this is really new territory. And I, I honestly believe that that offers us hope. If things have become worse, then things can become better. If 
Emerson said, the only thing permanent is change. And I think we can dictate the change. We can seek to move forward and not apart. We can look for the, the space between. And no, that's not a Dave Matthews lyric. I'm not a Dave Matthews fan, but that's another story. So is the space between either or, or is it both and? And I, I have to say it must be both and. And many more people more knowledgeable than me have said this through time. Other positive consider, things to consider is moderates did exist, and in some cases, in some situation, they do exist. I'm, I'm really not trying to convince you to be a moderate. I think it's okay to be progressive. I think it's okay to be conservative. Um, but there are people that exist in the middle. And you know, what about those relationships that are now ending abruptly? Well, my grandma Scruggs was as progressive as anyone born in the Great Depression. And Grandpa Scruggs was as conservative as a Republican through and through as you'll ever see. But they did exist in the both and, not in the either or. They existed with love and respect and boundaries and caring. See, this series, we're looking at the sermons of Martin Luther King Jr. And just before the assassin's bullet took King's life. There, they had made plans for a retreat. It was gonna be a retreat with Martin Luther King Jr., Thomas Merton, and Thich Nhat Hanh. And fortunately, I only have 17 more times to be able to mispronounce that name. <laughs> the good news is I don't have to spell that name 17 times. Uh, <laughs> One of these men was a, a black Southern preacher. The other was a white Trappist monk. And the third was a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. They all felt that nonviolence means could bring social change. And oh yeah, Merton was a big fan of Mahatma Gandhi, a, a person born Hindi who embraced other religions and nonviolent resistance himself. Here, we saw Buddhism and Christianity trying to work together, we were seeking justice as a common goal, looking to learn from the perspectives of others. These are the type of relationships that can't be forged in the either or. They're found in that space between, they're found in the both and. This is a, a community of different people finding and fighting for a common cause. The space between can be found if we choose us. It cannot be found if we choose us versus them. So here are some of the words of, of these men in terms of the other. So first we have Merton on Gandhi. And... Gandhi's nonviolence was not simply a political tactic which was extremely useful and efficacious in liberating his people. On the contrary, the spirit of nonviolence sprang from an inner realization of spiritual unity in himself. King on Han, as MLK nominated Han for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1967, I do not personally know of anyone more worthy of the prize than this general monk from Vietnam. 
He is an apostle of peace and nonviolence. And Han, in a letter to MLK, said, Martin, you know something? In Vietnam, they call you an enlightened being, trying to awaken other living beings and help them go in the direction of compassion and understanding. See, these were men with different upbringings, different beliefs, different contexts, but they all saw commonality in the goal of humanity and the avenue to get there, and those goals of humanity. See, even today, as divided as we are, we can see hope in the way we react to a crisis. Those are, of us on our, can be on opposing sides, but when something as horrific as a natural disaster happens, we all come together for the same purpose. So what makes it possible for us to stop bickering in such a crisis? If there's a space for that, can we not find a space to work together in other spheres? See, Jesus knew the need to exist in the both and. He knew that we can make decisions that offered change and offered wisdom in their pursuits. So what does Matthew 10, 16 tell us? Let's, let's look for a minute at the way Jesus sends out his disciples into the world. In Matthew 10, 16, it says, look, I am sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. That kind of seems impossible on face value, right? The dove and the stake are, are just such opposites, but that was the example that Jesus expected. He makes this the, the marching order for the disciples in a hostile world. And I think we could argue that for many today, this is a world of hostility. But first thing we've got to do is acknowledge that this command from Jesus was a both and statement. It's not an either or statement. It's a commandment not only to be as shrewd in our dealings, it's not a commandment to be so passive that we're run over by others in a conflict, but we should not cause undue harm. To be as shrewd as a snake, we need to create boundaries. We're going to have to sift through to find the truth. We're gonna to have to be astute. We're gonna to have to be discerning. We need to make sure that we pause. We examine our role in relationships. We have to be cautious, but we have to be assertive. To be harmless as a dove, we must be peacemakers. You, you hear us at Crossroads speak of our role as peacemakers, the mission of, of peace on earth, and this is another passage of Jesus setting that example. It's not either the snake or the dove, but it's the both and. There's a, there's a space here for us to be both, to be the snake and the dove. We've got to look at the difference between idealism 
and realism. See, King said, not ordinarily do men achieve the balance of opposites. The idealists are not usually realistic, and the realists are not usually idealistic. See, truth, though, is found in the synthesis that reconciles these two. King elaborates more on the idea by, by looking at passiveness and assertiveness and, and humility. If you have the time, his entire sermon is definitely worth reading. I ask you, though, are you an idealist or are you a realist? Are you able to be both in? It's not easy. I, I, I tell you the propensity can be that things are what they are and to not look for what could be better. They can also be that things must change, but we don't look at what is real and this can be a detriment to evoking change. There must be a balance between kindness and honesty. We can't presume that these are things that are at odds with one another. There's gotta be a balance in these in which truth ultimately prevails. The sermon that we're looking at this week from Martin Luther King Jr., so you can find it in that book, Strength to Love, is entitled The Tough Mind and a Tender Heart. And here King elaborates on this scripture of Matthew 10, 16 in terms of the ideas of reason and compassion. The idea of being tough-minded and, and tender-hearted is not either or, it's both and. Being tough-minded and tender-hearted can bring opposites into harmony. See, we, we got to understand that harmless doesn't mean gullible. King defines this as soft-mindedness. Nor is tough-minded about being hard-minded. Allowing that confirmation bias that we talked in the beginning and how we process news. See, that in King's mind was that form of gullibility. It was a soft-minded approach. It was a, a hard-minded approach. It wasn't the tough-minded approach. So don't miss this. Tough-minded requires us to seek facts. King would say that it requires incisiveness and decisiveness. Tough-minded can ask a lot of us to be solid, hard thinking is not easy. Many, if not most choose the, the soft mind because that's the easy way to exist. And tender-hearted is to seek freedom and nonviolent resistance. As peacemakers, we are sent out into the world as sheep amongst wolves, but we're commanded to do so with a vibrant and vital love while keeping safe, while establishing boundaries, but while we are seeking the truth. So how can I live this in my everyday normal life? We must have the ability to hold the tension 
as we seek change. We must have the ability to hold the tension as we seek change. See, following Jesus' command and the example of King, Merton, Gandhi, Han means that we are seeking common ground and that we're not going straight to conflict and contention. There are times when we have to be astute and discerning while we are showing that vibrant and vital love that is both and and not either or. So how does this make me a better person and the world a better place? See, peacemaking creates change. I would argue that it's the only way to make a positive, long-lasting, and those important changes in this world. The both and of peacemaking helps us to foster our relationships, whether it's personal or communal. See, both and allows us to love and to disagree. When we list them, we can sift through to find See, both and that tough mind and that tender heart allows us to overcome the fear of the other and for us to work towards justice and mercy. Let me say it again. Overcoming the fear of the other allows us to work towards justice and mercy. And this is what the world needs most. Justice and mercy through humility through walking in somebody else's shoes, walking alongside those that are in need, checking our privilege at the door and opening up to new ideas and working towards what matters most. And this is not just about big global issues. This is our everyday life. This is how we impact our, our workplaces this is how we impact our educational institutions. This is the impact that we have in our online communities. It's also about our physical communities, both local and global. But it's also about the relationships that matter most to us. The political climate has damaged more than just romantic relationships. It's torn families in half, brother and brother, uncle, aunt, cousins, families torn in half. And that cannot be our desire. Finding the, the both and and the space of between is not only about change, but it's also is our path to mending those fractured relationships. The saying is, it works if you work, it works if you work it, and it's worth it. And I believe that to be so, so true. Here in just a few minutes, we're going to partake in communion and uh, as you can see, the band has rejoined us on stage. And in this next song, the songwriter says, my doubts 
and fears don't scare you. And that is love. That is God's love, above the fear and doubt. Can we look past our fear and doubt? Can we look past the the fear and doubt of others? Can we move past the fear of the other by finding that both and in the space between? I really do believe that Jesus showed us that and commanded us to do that and showed us in a way that we truly can. Before, that, before they, we sing that together, I, I ask you, what is God inviting you into today? And on the back of your Connect card, there's gonna be three check boxes of what God is inviting you into. And if any of these apply to you, I, I hope that you filled out the front of your Connect card and that you check any boxes that you feel led to mark. Maybe, maybe you haven't had a chance to get a copy yet, um, but maybe the invitation is that I will get a copy of A Strength to Love so that you can read these sermons of Martin Luther King Jr. as we move along throughout this series. Maybe the calling this week is to check the box that you want to commit to overcoming the fear of the other and work towards justice and mercy by saying, I want more information about our partners in hope. Or maybe you're, you're ready to learn about, more about Crossroads and maybe you'd like to join Amy and I as we start the next Fresh Perspective group on January 25th. We, uh, we were actually moved straight from that fresh perspective group into a way of peace right after Easter. And if that is so for you, then check the box, send me more information about the fresh perspective group starting on January 25th. So we're now going to share in communion together and, and the communion table is not a table of either or. It's a both and table. All are invited, whether you're a believer or a skeptic. Either way, there's no pressure to partake. But please know, you are welcome wherever you are. And communion is also a time of, of reflection and prayer. So as the, the band plays and the words rush over you, I ask you consider just taking a pause and reflect on where you are. And if you're in need of prayer, we'll have somebody right up here to the, by the stage to pray with you. And if you'd rather write your prayer request on that Connect card, our prayer team will be happy to pray for you this week. You can even ask for anonymity on that card. The communion elements are at your table or they're at stations located around the auditorium here. They're juice and gluten-free crackers to represent Christ's love. So the table is now open. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ spilled for you.